So as we were thinking about what we would talk about this year for Christmas Eve, I'd say I'm thinking about the fact that I've done 22 of these uh, services over the years here at uh, Twin Cities Church, and I always try to do something that's fresh and uh, something that I've never talked about before. And so we were thinking about uh, how we would present Christmas in a way that would be memorable. And uh, as we were looking at it, we came across the song that you just heard. And uh, we were listening to it in our planning meetings, and the, the lines of the song that just jumped out that were so clear about, uh, for all of us in the room to say, this is exactly what God wants us to talk about this year. Into this broken world, he sent his son to save us. Into this broken world. Uh, we don't like to talk about breaking things much, do we? With our broken things and uh, when we do break things, I know I dropped a mug right out of our cabinet this week, fell on the counter and shattered in a thousand pieces, a hundred pieces at least, everywhere. I know that tomorrow, uh, maybe, I guess it'll be the next day, depends on when you open gifts. If you open a gift and it's broken, the first thing you want to do is return it, right? Because we don't like broken things. In fact, we want to get away from broken things. Uh, that's why it's fascinating to me that when you look at uh, a manger like this, and you look at the stable, uh, and you come to it, and you realize, well, most of the manger scenes we've seen or we see are some, something like this on the screen right now. Let's show that. You know, everything looks so sanitary, right? That's what it looks like, sanitary. And yet, uh, what I know to be true is that when you get close to a stable, uh, it's anything except sanitary, right? Because you get close to it and uh, first thing you notice is usually the flies, right? You go to notice the flies. And the second thing you notice is the smell, uh, and you'll pick that up quickly. And, because there's hay that's been there for a long time and maybe hasn't all gotten picked up. Maybe if it's been raining, it's all actually rotting as well. Uh, you have urine that uh, the animals have left there because they're not going to pick that up for sure. And then you have number two. Yes, that's there too. Uh, all that. Uh, yeah, I know. Ooh, yeah. And then you have all the other things in a stable. And you look at that and you say, well, that's reality. Uh, that's what the first Christmas was actually like, that Jesus was born and he was born in a stable and he was born in a place that was messy. It was just messy. And then we come to Christmas and we get to this place. And what we've done with Christmas is we've just sanitized the whole thing. We want Christmas to be perfect. We look for the perfect gift, the perfect meal, uh, the perfect decoration, the perfect dessert, and I guarantee you when I make my prime rib on Christmas Day, it's got to be perfect, okay? We do that, and we want it to be something that it's actually not. It's something we long for. We want it to be perfect, but can it ever be perfect? No, because... The words of the song were so true. Into this broken world, he sent his son to save us. And we live in a broken world. We live in this broken world. See, Christmas as we know it today is one of those events or one of those occasions that comes with, I mean, super highly charged expectations. So high that, honestly, they're rarely met. And you know this to be true, and you've really worked hard to make the perfect gift or provide the perfect gift, and it's under the tree, and your child comes out, and that's not even the one they noticed, okay? They want to play, like when they were younger, they wanted to play with the boxes, right? Not the toys. You know what I'm talking about. 
And so what we do is we listen to songs, and, and these songs all have sentimentality to them, and these pictures of perfection that we'd all long for. There's imagery. Then we have marketing that just markets every, seem like every gift out there today is just the one for you, and you've got to have this one or you won't be happy. We over-sentimentalize the gifts, and uh, we portray Christmas as the most wonderful time of the year. Now, just honest, is it really the most wonderful time of the year? For many people, it's not. It can actually be the most painful time of the year. See, we're led to believe that we're, if we're nice, this is another thing about Christmas, we're led to believe that if we're nice, we'll get everything we want. We're told that if you can buy this gift and the recipient of that gift will be full of happiness and contentment when they open it. We see all these things. But when we come to Christmas, the reality is that it can't be those things we long for in perfection because it's based in messiness. It's based in messiness. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk to us a little bit about how we can find Christmas in the messiness of life, how we can find it. See, when we look at these perfect shepherds and we look at the perfect Mary, and by the way, Mary's usually in, in most of our uh, nativity scenes, blonde-haired and blue-eyed. We look at that, not anything like it was meant to be, and we long for that to be true for us. We want Christmas to be perfect. And so what we've actually done is we've taken it beyond there, and we actually have other pictures of Mary and Joseph. Let's look at this one. There's Mary and Joseph. Yeah. Can you just feel the tension there? You know, the whole... Oh, Joseph, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> you look at those precious moments, and you say, you just can't quite get into that moment because we want it to be so perfect. See, there's other ways that we try to make Christmas perfect, and another way we do it is through the cards that we make, especially these photo Christmas cards where we take pictures and we send people the photo Christmas card of our family, our perfect family, so everyone else can see it. And we have smiles and no telling what we had to do to get the smiles on there. I've, I have kids. I know how hard it was. In fact, one of our you know, family portraits that's so you know, dear to us is one that finally my daughter was smiling around age two and took the picture, but it was, you know, heck getting to that place <laughs> that day. Hey, by the way, how many of you received a, a Christmas photo card this year? Raise your hand. You received one? Okay. Uh, how many of you sent one? Yeah, several of you sent one. That's good. That's good. Well, the Thompson's house, I just have to tell you, we've never done one of those. We've never done one of those, you know, Christmas cards with a photo on it. But this year, we happened to be at just the right place at just the right time, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, as this event actually opened for the first day, and we got to go to the Google Snow Globe, and inside the Google Snow Globe, we were able, able to make a Christmas video. Let's watch this, okay? Christmas video. We makes it all right. Didn't we look perfect? <laughs> oh. Oh, we've actually, you know, received, we received quite a few of those photo Christmas cards that you make, and I'll just be honest, uh, what we do with them is we tape them on the inside of our pantry door, 
And so every time we open our pantry, we see faces of people we love and we pray for them. You know, like all throughout the year, we see those pictures and we pray for them. Uh, but you know, sometimes when you get those cards in the mail, the picture's just a little too perfect. You know what I mean? Just a little too perfect. Uh, and actually, when you look at it, instead of, you know, thinking what a perfect family, it actually makes you want to throw up when you look at that, right? <laughs> kind of like this picture, okay? Let's look at this one. Yeah, there we go. You look at that perfect family up there. Uh, and so what happens is, is many times we'll send out this perfect picture of our family, and then we'll include a letter with it, okay? And letting everyone know how perfect our family was this year, talking about our kids and everything else. And, you know, I was just actually thinking about that, and I was thinking, what if instead of sending a letter out about how perfect our family was, instead of that, what if we told reality? What if it was something like this? Merry Christmas. Hope you had a great year. This year, we didn't see my husband, John, very much. He worried about the company downsizing and spent the majority of his time watching sports on TV. <laughs> Cody hates school and spends every waking moment playing video games. <laughs> this is too true. Lucy quit playing piano this year. She's always texting her friends and thinks we're trying to ruin her life. <laughs> As for me, I'm bored with my job. I spend my days doing countless hours of washing, cooking, and cleaning, and generally feel unappreciated by my family. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh. Now, I'm not suggesting that we vent, you know, use our Christmas cards as just a way to vent, but I, I just think the reality is, is that we strive very hard to make Christmas into something it's not, to make our families into something they're not, perfect. But the truth is that God came into a broken world, a messy world, so that he could save us. And so what I want to do in just a little bit of time that we have left is I want to walk us through a story from the Bible. This is from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I'm going to look tonight at the idea of what God does when our lives are messy how we can approach those messy times of life, and we get there. And so I just want to begin uh, by reading these verses, and I'll get to those in just a moment. Here we go. We're going to learn some things from Joseph as we do this tonight. The first thing we learn from Joseph is that when Christmas gets messy, I just have to accept the fact that life's not perfect. I have to accept the fact that life is not perfect. Now, what we're talking about here is the idea that if I can accept the fact that life isn't perfect, then I can accept the life I have, and I can be okay with what God is doing. In fact, when I can accept that life isn't perfect, I can actually relate to what God is doing and be able to see the bigger picture, which we're going to look at in just a little bit. So let's look at this. When we know, what we know, here's kind of what we know, just some backstory. What we know from Luke's account in Luke chapter 2, and chapter 1, chapter 2, is that the angel Gabriel has come to Mary and has told Mary that you are going to conceive a baby, and that baby will be the Son of God and will be Jesus, okay? Now, now we know that she's actually conceived by the Holy Spirit, a baby. She's probably about 14. Give or take, about 14 is what the scholars would say that she is. Joseph's about 19 or 20. About 19 or 20 is about how old he is. 
and they had their dreams, they had their hopes, they had their wedding plans, just like any young fiance, young bride would have her wedding plans, and they're ready for the big day. Joseph, I'm sure, is looking forward to the honeymoon and the big night. So they're looking forward to everything that's before them. And then she has an angel visit her. And then Joseph has an angel visit him. And this is what it says in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, Joseph has been looking forward to his wedding, his wedding night, his honeymoon, and his life with his new bride. And he gets this news. Now, what do you think his first reaction might have been? That he hears that his wife, because he's heard this news before the angel came. So what do you think his first reaction might have been? I believe he's like any guy in this room. If he heard his wife or his fiance was pregnant, the first thing he'd want to do is he'd want to find somebody to punch out, right? He'd want to find somebody to just deck. And so he was more than likely feeling these kinds of feelings. And it said there that he was a, a good man. He was a good man. And when he found out, he didn't want to put her away publicly. Now, you got to know in this day that if you're betrothed to be married and that you ended up pregnant, that this is bad news. This is like the biggest mess you could be in as a 14-year-old girl because what hap- would happen is, is that your fiancé had the right to divorce you and he had two ways to divorce you. The first way is he could divorce you publicly and what that meant was is that you would be dragged before the whole town and you would be ridiculed and you could possibly even be killed and you would lose your status and you'd be put away and you would lose all hope of ever, ever having the life you dreamed of. That's one way. The second way is you could be divorced privately and then he would divorce her, then she would be put aside, then eventually she would be showing she was pregnant, and so it would still come out that something had happened that wasn't the way it was intended, and she would also lose her status, but she was not likely to be killed for that, and it would be a better way. So Joseph, being a good man, it said, he was going to take the best way possible. He didn't realize yet that there was a third way, And he was getting ready to find out that there was a third way. And so what happens is, when we get in places that are messy, what I I learned from Joseph when I was studying this is I just have to accept it. Isn't that hard to do? Isn't it hard to do when we get the the bad news, when uh, we have things that come at us? And some of you, you've had some very stressful things come at you in the last 12 months. Let's just say the last 12 months that you've, you know, had maybe you've lost a job. Maybe some of you have been uh, in that unlucky category and that your home was actually foreclosed on or you know it's coming because you got the notice in the mail. Maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted uh, because which was going to give you that pay increase that your family needed in order for your family to make it because things had gotten so tight because your car had broken down and you were going to have to have a new car. Maybe for some of you, you were thinking, this is the year I'm going to get married. And here we are at the end of 2013, and the prospects aren't looking like that is going to happen. 
or maybe for some of you, you are married and you thought this was the year our marriage would blossom or this is the year our marriage would be renewed or restored. And we're at the end of 2013 and it doesn't look much different than the start. Maybe some of you that you come to a place like tonight and this was the year of the diagnosis. I'll just call it that. Alzheimer's, dementia, dementia, disease, cancer, that C word, arthritis, need surgery in some way, and you just think, life isn't coming at me like I expected it to. In fact, it's incredibly messy. And what we learn from Joseph here is that when we can accept the messiness of life, that we can find the way through it that we can find the way through it, and God will provide that. So let's just read on a little bit. Let's see what happens to Joseph in this story. second thing we're going to notice here is we're going to notice that when Christmas gets messy, I must listen for God's purpose and plan. Okay, so when it's messy, I need to listen for God's purpose and plan. Here's what it says. It says, as he considered this, so what's happened is, up until now, Joseph only knows that she is pregnant, and he's thinking about his circumstances and situation. So he's considering it. Now, that word consider, that's the same word that you would maybe be familiar with if you're familiar with the Christmas story, which I'm going to read to us in just a little while, where it said, after Mary had received the shepherds that she pondered on these things, it's the same word. So what it means is, is that when my life gets messy, I need to take time to think about it. I need to take time to consider what's going on. I need to take time to meditate. I need to take time to look for a way to see what is actually happening and, going, and is going on. It's as if the Bible wants us to know that if we're going to be able to see God's handiwork in our messiness, that we need to be able to filter our circumstances through the reality of what he's doing. And it goes on to say this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord, finally now, the angel's here for him, appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, now just as you read that, you think, why, why do you think the angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid? It's not rocket science. He was afraid. He was scared. He was scared not only for Mary, but he was actually scared for himself and his own reputation. And that's so natural. When life gets messy, that we get overwhelmed and we can get fearful because we know what we're capable of doing to solve the problems in front of us, to get out of the messiness that we're in. We know, we get, we get consumed and overwhelmed by the what-ifs that we're going through and how we view reality. And what happens then when we get consumed by the what-ifs is that we can lose our hope and we can be ruled and overcome by fear. And when we're ruled and overcome by fear, that means that we have forgotten, for a moment maybe, that God's in charge, that he's in charge. And what is amazing, and, and I, I'm sure disconcerting, for Joseph, is that God didn't come and say, you know, I'm going to give you this information, uh, Joseph, and here's the deal. I'm going to change it and make it all wonderful. He didn't do that at all. He didn't change his circumstances. He didn't even intervene in the messy reality. 
Instead, what God did is he said, I'm going to show you how I'm going to use this situation, not only for you, but for the entire world. He said, through your messiness and through my divine power, I'm going to bring about the salvation of all mankind. The baby that Mary carries, is what he was telling Joseph, will be called Jesus. And the word named Jesus means the one who saves. The one who saves. See, what I, what I love about this reality is that when you dig down deep and you look inside, you realize that when things are messy, that God is more interested in changing your character than in your circumstances. Now, we want it the other way, right? Actually, we want both. <laughs> we want it to be easy. Change my character and my circumstances, God. Don't make me stay here in this circumstance or this situation. But see, what I've learned in and I know that many of you, you could come up and you could talk just like me about this. I've learned that, honestly, I don't change if my circumstances stay perfect. I change when my circumstances get painful. I'm currently going through some of those situations, you know, just some personal stuff. And, you know, there's, I think, midlife crisis kinds of stuff. When you get to the end of yourself, you realize that you're not going to be able to do all that you thought you could do or be all that you thought you could be. And you're going to realize maybe you're broken in some areas that you thought were fixed. And then all of a sudden you get to go down into that tunnel again. And you say, God, just change me. Just change these circumstances. And he said, no, the circumstances are there to change you. They're there to change you. And so if we can find the purpose in our messiness and circumstances, then we can actually embrace them. Okay, move on. When Christmas gets messy, I must lean into God for perspective and comfort. So now I'm leaning into him. I think he's got a purpose, and I'm going to allow the circumstances to be there and discover what God wants to do. But I also can lean onto him for comfort. It says this, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's the promise, God with us. So at Christmas, no matter how messy it is, no matter how imperfect we may find our lives to be at this moment, what we have is God's assurance and his promise that he's with us. We're never out of his presence, we're never this is key, out of the reach of his promise, never out of the reach of his promise. See, even though things seem messy all around us, even though we don't understand, even though things seem random and without purpose, at Christmas, God has promised us that he will walk with us even through situations and circumstances that we don't understand and we don't want and we actually want out of. But he said, I will be with you says another place in the Bible, God's promise is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you in those messy spots. And you know, I've discovered this to be true, and many people I know and talk to, and I get to talk to a lot of folks about their pain and about their messy circumstances. And what I've learned as I've talked to them is that there are times when the only hope you have is the understanding and the realization that you are not alone. See, people will leave us. Um, jobs will go away. Health will fade. But God has promised to never go away. And he's proved that in my life. He's proved it through disease. He's proved it through depression, through disappointment, 
through discouragement and even death. He's proved that he is with me. And in those moments, that's everything I need. That's the comfort I need, the perspective I need to live in the messiness of life. The messiness. Last idea. When Christmas gets messy, I must act when I know at the moment. I must act when I know at the moment. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So here's the idea. Let's wrap it up. That even when life is messy, and I'm not certain how to change it, the one thing I can do is to act on what I know. We can all do that. I can act on what I know. So here's what Joseph did. In his case, he acted on what he knew. He had, God gave him a third option. Divorce publicly, divorce privately, marry her. So he married Mary. In Joseph's case, he gave up his ideal marriage and honeymoon. Notice it said that they did not have sexual relations until after the son was born. That's nine months, guys. In Joseph's case, he accepted God's plan as his own, even though God didn't ask him if he wanted to be part of this plan. But he accepted it as his own. In Joseph's case, he walked forward believing that God would be with him. And lastly, in Joseph's case, he gave up the right that every Jewish father cherished the naming of his son. He named his son Jesus because that's what God said to do. And when we come to those places when life gets messy, folks, the one thing you can do is that you can always do what God said to do. You can take one step at a time doing what God says to do and you can, be know, you can know this to be sure because he's promised that he will be with you. He will be with you. I'm going to leave you with this thought. It's kind of a key idea. Uh, there's actually a bookmark in your program. If you wanted to take it with you, you could you know, refer to some of the things I've talked about tonight. But the key idea is this. Is I want you to leave with this thought. Perfect faith is not the faith that moves God. Here, listen. Perfect faith is not the faith that moves God. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us when it doesn't seem like God is moving on our behalf. That's perfect faith. Next idea. Our messiness does not mean that he's absent or not in charge. I may not be able to make everything perfect, but I can trust the one who makes all things good. I can trust him. I may not be able to make everything perfect, but I can trust the one who makes all things good. I'm asking if you'd bow your heads for a moment and let's pray. God, I thank you so much that in this broken world, you sent your son to save us. And Father, I pray for all of the messiness in this room. Because we're all human living in a broken world. Everyone in this room has messiness. Everyone in this room has brokenness. 
at some level or another. And so tonight this message has been for all people. That you are present. God, I pray that we would learn to accept our circumstances as the reality that you've allowed. I pray, God, that you would help us to learn to discover the purpose. I pray that as time goes on, we will learn to let you give us comfort in the middle of our messy situation. And God, I pray tonight that you will help each of us to do next what we know to do, to take the next step that is right before us. And I believe we know. And God, we ask for strength and power to do what you've called us to do. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, my family, one of the things that we like to do at Christmas is we like to read the Christmas story uh, from Luke. And I thought it would be a great way for us to end tonight. Uh, So I'm going to read the Christmas story from Luke, and maybe this would be something you might do with your family in the next day or two. And here it is, okay? This is so familiar, and yet... I believe it's so pertinent. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
This season, we celebrate the God who has drawn near. We celebrate the God who sent his son into our broken world to be with us in our messiness, to walk with us with his presence. That's Christmas. Christmas.